Hello and welcome to the NBA Next podcast presented by Track. I am Scott Allen and I am joined by Keith Smith. We are here to talk about what is next financially in the NBA. Uh, Keith, it's been a minute. Uh, we've been busy. I've been busy doing some development side on the Track side. I know you've had some stuff going on, so we're finally able to get to this before the trade deadline hits tomorrow. And then we're going to do another recap on Friday uh, going through all or whatever big trades that end up do happening. And out of the gate again, I will mention Track does have a trade machine. It seems to be doing fairly well. Response has been great. Keith, any uh, feedback that you want to share with the trade machine uh, now that it's been up and running for about two weeks? Yeah, I, I, I think the big thing that we're hearing, which is, you know, I know makes both of us happy because it was the goal, <clears throat> excuse me, was that um, people are finding it very easy to use and they love the depth of it, that we have draft rights, we have draft picks, the <clears throat> fact that it's accurate right? The, the, the salaries are accurate in there as well as the um, rosters are, are accurate also. That That's a issue with some of the other versions that are around the, the internet that people use. So I've been hearing nothing but great feedback. Uh, people are certainly using it and seem like they're having fun. So so we're going to keep uh, keep pushing it and keep it updated and then try to you know, make it a great tool. And then some of the other longer range type project things uh those will get built in probably during the downtime before we uh, really fully dive into the summertime uh, work and all that yeah absolutely some of the feedback we've updated right away to try to get those rectified so um keep the feedback coming which leads us into the trade deadline which is tomorrow uh we're going to go through the west buyers and sellers we did east uh about a week and a half ago here uh, so we're going to go through the West, and then also you launched your uh, list of buyout candidates, which will happen as soon as the uh, trade deadline ends. So let's run through the West buyers and sellers. Uh, biggest buyer that you think in the West, because there is a uh, a jam pack teams at the top. I know I saw you tweeted out a picture <laughs> of the West standings the, this morning or late last night. Uh, it, it is jam packed and there are teams that are in those play in spots that could vie for uh, making an upgrade to try to push themselves into, a, a, you know, even one step up in the standings because that could mean a home home play in game. Uh, so which teams do you think are going to be the most likely to be buyers? Yeah, I think you if you look at the top part of the conference, the team that is most likely to be a buyer or two, I guess, are the Clippers and the Timberwolves. The Clippers have PJ Tucker and his eleven million dollar contract that they are basically putting in talks all around the NBA. They they they've let teams know, hey, he doesn't really want to be here. Uh we're willing to move him. They're willing to take on money because Steve Ballmer is happy to take on even more tax hit if that means the team gets better. So I think you're going to see the Clippers sometime in the next day here do something. And we're going to see see that turn into a, uh, a thing. So I think that'll be a thing. Then I think the next part is um, for the uh, Clippers is just – depth right for fleshing out their depth a little bit and going from there as for the Timberwolves 
they're looking for another bench player, another score that they can add to the bench. Ideally, it, it would be someone who can also back up Mike Conley because things tend to get a little sideways when he's off the floor uh, for, for Minnesota. So they want to make sure they have a really good player in the mix there. Um, Denver, they'd like to do something. They just don't really have the ability. And then Oklahoma City is kind of this looming giant where if they want to do something, they've got a million different directions they can go. They've got matching salary. We we know they've got something in the range of 9 million draft picks to trade. So they could do all kinds of things. It's just the question with them is, do they want to and do they want to yet? Or are they just, you know, kind of, let's see what it looks like with this group's first run through the playoffs before we go crazy trying to, you know, really cash in on a bunch of stuff to, to make moves. So Clippers, Timberwolves, and then, Denver, Oklahoma City, I think far less likely to do something. So what about the play-in teams? I mean, the Lakers have been talked about for the last two <laughs> yep. months. We've got Dallas, New Orleans, Utah. I keep hearing they're going to be either – they could be a buyer, they could be a seller. Um, Sacramento's in there, Phoenix. I know they're sort of strapped right now as far as what they can do. But what about the the middle teams? Which teams do you think could be the buyers out of those? Yeah, you know – the teams that are in the middle, and I'll even put the Kings and Suns in, in that kind of grouping because they're just above the, the play-in line right now as far as the games back go. So those two teams, the Kings and Suns, are really – they're looking. Uh, the Kings are tapped to decide, do we really want to move a core uh, player in our group to, to upgrade? Uh, do we want to attach draft capital? What's that going to look like? But they're open to the idea if it's for the right player – the Suns would love to upgrade their depth. Their problem is they're pretty much working on minimum contracts or Nasir Little's like $6 million contract. They just don't have much else to trade because any other uh, sizable salary belongs to a starter uh, for them. So they're, they're really in a spot where it's going to be, all right, let's look for bargain type guys who don't make much more than four or 5 million, or, you know, we just got to kind of, um, you know, go, go in that direction. So I think they're, they're interesting. New Orleans, they did their smaller move by moving, uh, uh, Kira Lewis jr. That, that got them under the luxury tax that that would have been the number one, most expected move of all across the uh, entire NBA. Uh, but they already did it. So now, they're kind of probably more of maybe in the buyout market than, than a trade. I just don't know if another trade materializes for them. One other thing to keep an eye on, uh, Carlo Matkovich, who was drafted by uh, the Pelicans a couple years ago in the second round and has really played pretty well um, over in, in uh, Europe. He left his club in Slovenia uh, recently, and it was reported by the club. He left to go join the NBA. So, all signs point to the Pelicans are going to sign him at some point. And that's opened up by the fact that they have a roster spot and they, they uh, created room under the luxury tax. Then you get into the other teams, Dallas Lakers, Utah, Golden State, Houston. They're all kind of battling like around the, the playing line. Dallas is looking for upgrades at the forward spot. I think they'd like to uh, see if they could, get somebody in who's better than Grant Williams uh, because he hasn't been very good for them. The Lakers are, they're involved on everybody just because they're the Lakers, but I think their better play as of late has them thinking maybe we're not so desperate to make a move. This isn't quite the same situation as it was a year ago where they were sitting outside of the playing tournament. And we're trying to get in into that range. I think they're more thinking 
hey, if we just keep playing well and keep our guys healthy, we're, we're going to move up. Utah's a weird team because Danny Ainge is not going to be seduced by the allure of the play-in tournament. If he says, eh, this isn't really where we want to be, there's a move that makes us more or gets us closer to being title contenders over the next few years, he'll make that kind of move. Then Golden State, there's a lot of stuff going on with the Warriors. It's hard to figure out exactly where they're at. They don't seem like they're ready to dump salary. It seems like that's going to be more if they they can find a move. Then Houston made a small move. They picked up Steven Adams. That's a move for next season that bolsters their rotation. They're still open to doing other stuff, but I think the Rockets are probably more in, all right, well, let's kind of take this into next offseason, uh, and, and we'll kind of continue to add to our team from there. So, Keith, there's really not a lot of sellers nope. in the West. I mean, might be San Antonio, Portland, um, you know, Utah, if they decide to go that route, but there's really not a lot of sellers. No, there isn't. There's not a lot of sellers in the league, period. There, There's really only, if you look at it, there's only seven teams in the entire league that are kind of out of the running to make even the play in tournament. It's in the, in the West, it's the teams you mentioned, the Spurs, the Blazers and the Grizzlies. And then in the East, it's the Pistons, Wizards, Hornets and the Raptors have now fallen five games behind the Hawks, um, you know, for the final play in spot. So I think we're really in a, in a position where those teams need to be the ones that jump on it. So I think what we're more likely to see at this trade deadline is trades between teams that maybe are, both playoff teams or both at least in the playing mix or one's in the playing mix, one's a playoff team where it's a rebalancing kind of trade where it is, Hey, we've got an extra big and we need a guard. You, you could really use a big and you've got an extra guard. Let's make a move like that. You're going to see some teams in the next couple of days, make moves that are uh, about the cap sheet and the, and the luxury tax and the aprons. It's, it's going to be, Hey, we can get off some money or, we can open up even more cap space for the summer. We're going to see that stuff. And that's what makes it a challenge in the West specifically San Antonio. They're sellers, but they've only got a couple veterans that are even kind of available. That's Doug McDermott and Jetty Osmond. The rest of the roster is really young. So they're, they're not necessarily looking to move on from any of their kids. Portland is sending signs that they're going to keep Jeremy Grant, and Malcolm Brogdon. So that means all right, where are they going as far as selling? They, they seem, uh, content to keep those guys and keep growing uh, the team around them. And then the Memphis Grizzlies, they're, they're not going to trade any real veteran players except for maybe Luke Kennard after they traded Steven Adams to the Rockets last week. So I think what you're looking at there is the Grizzlies. It's more about, they, our thing is just injuries. Like we're, we're bad because, because we're hurt and John Morant missed the first third of the season on suspension. So I, I think they're, did all those teams are sellers, but it's what are they going to sell? That That's the, the real question. And if there's not a lot to sell, are you really a seller? Like, or is it just, you know, tree falls in the forest and no one's around to hear it kind of thing? Yeah, it seems like a lot. The, the league in general, they're sort of dragging their feet to see who's going to make the move first and or they're just sort of buying their time until the summer where they can do a little bit more manipulation, trading, roster construction, whatever it might be uh, because of the new rules. Draft picks are, uh, you know, handcuffed in some cases because they need a 24 draft to be conducted. Um, but it's been, it seems like it's been fairly quiet, even from the rumor standpoint, there really hasn't been that, uh, 
you know, climax of these guys are definitely going. We can't wait to see them go. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see as we get closer to the deadline. Is it just going to be more of the role players back end of rosters that are getting uh, shuffled around? Or is there going to be that dark horse trade that comes out of nowhere that you know blows us all away? Yeah, you never want to rule out something kind of coming out of nowhere, but I don't think we 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 don't have any stars that are unhappy and agitating for trades like we had with Kyrie Irving, like we had with Kevin Durant after Kyrie got traded, or like we've had with James Harden a couple of different times. Um, did that was Zach Levine, and Zach Levine's now out for the season, and there wasn't a huge market for him in the first place. So I think we're kind of on stars are probably not going to move. Maybe a tier down. May, maybe the Bulls move a guy like DeMar DeRozan. What's probably happening today is my guess is there's a conversation between DeRozan, his reps, and the Bulls on, hey, where are we at with an extension? Where are we at with free agency? If we're not going to go that like direction of continuing this relationship, we need to look at trading DeMar DeRozan in the next uh, uh, you know day or so here. So, But how many people consider him to still be a star, right? I think that's the, the the next question you need to ask. But role players, sure, there's a ton of role players around. But the problem is right now, some of the teams like Detroit, for example, they have every intention of trying to be a good team next year. So for them, they're, they've told teams, hey, you're going to have to really give us a real offer if you want Boyan Bogdanovich or Alec Burks, because we're not just giving them away. Like that's not going to be something we're going to do. So that becomes a little bit of a challenge, but I think we're going to see those guys start getting moved. It probably takes one, maybe two deals to come through. Maybe that happens today on Wednesday. Maybe it's Wednesday night. Maybe it's Thursday morning. And then I think that opens the floodgates a little bit where it is. Okay. Player X is off the table. We don't want to be down to player Z uh, that we're making trades for. Well, let's try to go get, you know, player Y instead. And well, let's get moving in that direction. And that's, that's going to be the kind of thing that I think we see. And then you mentioned the draft picks. There's two things really working kind of against draft pick trades, or really three. One is these teams that are up and over the second apron are in a spot where they don't necessarily want to trade uh, draft picks because they know we need them going forward. And there's teams that aren't over those aprons, but maybe are looking two, three years from now, we may be over the apron. We don't really want to cash in draft capital because we've got to start uh, backfilling our talent pipeline through the draft. The second piece is 11 teams. This came from Bobby Marks of ESPN. 11 teams control 75% of the uh, future draft picks. That is absolutely bonkers. So that puts us in a position where how is that going to work, right? Like, like you almost have to work with those teams if you're some of these other teams because you just don't have the draft capital to trade. And then the last thing for immediacy, people are really down on the 2024 draft class. So there's no teams that are looking at saying, all right, you've got two 2024 picks. All right, let me take them. We'll take them on and we'll figure it out because most teams are kind of looking at it saying, eh, it's maybe not a great class, especially at the top. So that's depressed the market a little bit too because nothing gets things moving like teams to be willing to throw around draft capital, but that's just not where we're sitting this year. I know you're a realist and you don't like hot takes, but if you put on your fan hat, is there a trade in the West that – you really hope to see happen? Uh, that's a good question. I would love to see 
I, I just like to see the Lakers do something because they, they 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 just they'll go big if the opportunity presents itself. I'd love to see uh, Oklahoma City really load up, go get a guy or two, and really say, you know what, well, we're here. We believe in this young core. Let's add to them right now and let's get after it and and try and win a title because I think they are uh, reasonably close enough to to do that. And then I, I I would also say I'd like to see the Warriors really kind of instead of just letting this group just kind of go out like this where it's yeah we're kind of a playoff team postseason team but we're really not all that good and it's just kind of ending sad I'd rather see them pick a direction and say hey let's let let's do it let let's let's go so there's no specific trade within there but those are the things I think you could see some teams do something big. Um, here, I just don't know that any of them are really thinking that way at the moment. That may be more of a let's work this out in June and July. All right, let's go to shift to your buyout candidates. We posted this uh, yesterday, and you went through the buyout rules because there are some new rules with the uh, aprons. And let's start there, and then we'll dive into some of the players. So, real quick overview. Uh, People, if you're listening, please go read verbatim what is there because Keith did a great job of breaking this down. But in a layman's terms, in, in a quick you know, few words, Keith, what are the rules based off of the buyout candidates? for this Yeah, team? what's changed with this? It used to be, and you used to get everybody all up in arms, a guy like Kyle Lowry who makes roughly $30 million, takes a buyout, and then he runs off to join the – best team in the Western conference or the best team in the Eastern conference. And everybody says, how can this be? This team's already expensive. And it's, well, he took a minimum contract and moved on. What the league has done is they've said no more of that. We're finished. So now under the new CBA, and this is some of these rules are phasing in with the aprons. Some of them are in right now. One of the rules that are in right now is teams that are above the first apron, which means they're, you know, uh, you know, Above the first apron means if you're a second apron team, that, that covers you too. But if you're above either of the tax aprons, you can't sign a buyout player who made more than the equivalent of the non-taxpayer MLE this year. That's about $12.4 million. So there's seven teams right now, Boston, Denver, Golden State, uh, the LA Clippers, Miami, Milwaukee, and Phoenix that are above the uh, apron. So they are restricted from signing any player that makes more than $12.4 million. So that changes the math for those teams, obviously, but also for a handful of players who may now say, you know what, we're good. Like may- maybe maybe I don't really want to buy them. Maybe I'll finish out the year here. I'll keep my bird rights. That'll open up sign and trade possibilities and the like. We'll kind of go from there. Kyle Lowry is probably the most likely to be bought out, as you alluded to. Who else is likely to be closer to the buyout than being hesitant? Yeah, this is also something I put in the piece, too. And and this is where, at this time of year, one of my uh, phrases that I go to a lot is, he's more name than game. Um, Because these are going to be a bunch of names people are going to recognize. But if you go and look, there's a reason they're they're being bought out there. And sometimes the reason is they're just on a team that's going in a completely different direction. But more often than not, it is a player who is older, really not a great fit where they're at. And they are 
going to try to catch on for one last run, but they maybe don't have a lot left in the tank either. So you, we mentioned Kyle Lowry. He very much fits that, that profile. Then we look at guys like uh, Danilo Gallinari, Joe Harris. This is kind of the pick a Pistons section here because, because there's just a bunch of Pistons that fit this bill. Mike Mascala, Monte Morris, some of these guys far more likely to be traded than bought out. So we, we included a handful of them um, on uh, this list as well. But you also have guys like Otto Porter Jr. from the Raptors. Um, he hasn't been uh, playing very much. Maybe DeLon Wright with the Washington Wizards. Uh, P.J. Tucker, we mentioned him before. If the Clippers can't find a trade, maybe they work a buyout where they say, all right, let's do a buyout and get things moving that direction. So so there's definitely some guys here. I think teams, what happens generally is we won't see a buyout until Thursday evening after the trade deadline is all processed and gone through. Uh, but we see him Thursday evening. We'll see him Friday morning. We'll see him through the weekend and really all the way through the, the end of the month. What the main rule is they have to be bought out or waived by the time we get to um, March 1st, that is the last day a player can be waived and then be eligible to play for another team in that season's playoffs. So that's the day we really kind of, it's about a three week window where teams can, can make these moves, uh, move on from a few more players and kind of go from there. So the buyout market will be pretty active, but again, the changing rules that just changes the calculus for a handful of these teams. Is there a specific team that is going to be in that buyout candidate market to bring in? I know we've seen, you know, the Celtics in the past um, in some other teams. Is there any team specifically you think some of these players, if they are bought out, may land on? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I think, you know, you, what, what you instantly start looking at is, all right, who's good and who has the ability to get some of these guys. So, they obviously if they make less than 12.4 million this year, anybody could, could go get them. So, you know, I think Boston is a team that will look to add somebody uh, via the buyout market. They've got, they're sitting on an open roster spot. They, they could definitely do something. Cleveland has a couple open roster spots. They could definitely be in the mix. I think Milwaukee, they have a guy or two. They could probably move on from if a better option becomes available. We'll see what Philadelphia looks like uh, post trade deadline. Then in the Western Conference, Minnesota has an open roster spot. They could really use, like a guy like Kyle Lowry would be huge for them. And and for them, they're under the apron. So they're in a spot where they could really go get a guy like Kyle Lowry and move forward um, you know, in a good way. I think Phoenix is has guys, even though they're over the apron uh, and well over it, they are a position where they could wave a couple guys and add somebody. Again, you got to make less than $12.4 million. The Lakers are sitting on an open roster spot. If a, if a player looks and says, boy, you know what? I could join them and really uh, play some minutes, play a role and push forward. That, that could happen as well. I think what's important to know with the, with the buyout market from the player side is they're looking for a couple things. They want to be on a team that's generally a winner and has a chance to contend for a title in a place where they can play. Uh, very few of these guys are content to just catch on and sit on the bench. Most of them are, get me set free so I can go play for a good team and try to move, move forward with that. And then ideally turn that into a contract for next year, maybe beyond, uh, you know, if they can pull that off as well. 
All right, you mentioned the buyout deadline for eligibility for the playoffs. What other deadlines do we need to know? Obviously, the trade deadline is tomorrow. What's the deadline for the date? And then what other dates do we need to know that are upcoming after the trade? Yeah, those are the big ones. It's the trade deadline, 3 p.m. Eastern tomorrow. This is standard disclaimer. I'm probably going to tweet this a couple times uh, tomorrow is – Deals don't have to be done by 3 p.m. Teams just need to be in the trade queue. There was a few years ago, we got the tweet from Woj at like three on the dot that said, my Lord. Um, and we, you know, we, we would love that every year, right? Because that means there's madness. And and there were deals, I think it was like 5.30, 6 o'clock by the time they were finally getting through those deals and details were still coming out and all that stuff. So, so it really is 3 PM. They got to be in the trade queue. What that means is the teams that are making the deal together have to have their call scheduled with the NBA. And as long as they're in the queue, they're good. The, the NBA will then process their deals provided they're legal and they, they move forward with that. So, so that's the big date tomorrow is the trade deadline and the time 3 PM Eastern. Then after that, the next big date is March 1st because that is that playoff uh, waiver eligibility deadline. So, so that's going to be where we're really going to be keeping an eye on if a guy's going to do a buyout or just even be a straight waiver and hope to catch on with the team for the playoffs. It's got to be done by the end of the day, March 1st. Teams can sign players all the way through the last day of the regular season, and they do that. They just need to be be in that spot. So those are the two dates we've got an eye on for now. After that, then we get into dates around the draft and uh, early entry dates and all those kind of things. But those are far enough out that I know we'll be talking about those down the line. (laughs) Yep, you know it. All right, Keith. Uh, trade deadline tomorrow looking for a flurry of whatever is about to happen here because we've had the calm before the storm for sure Um, you can be followed at at Keith Smith NBA and if remind me I believe you guys are doing front office show what one to four tomorrow Uh, we'll see how late it goes it kind of depends the trade deadline will tell us but we're going to start at 1 p.m eastern we hope we've already got some stuff that'll have happened between tonight and and Thursday morning that we can definitely get into and then yeah well with Trevor Lane and I over on uh, NBA front office show we'll be live for at least a few hours probably till at least four o'clock but if it's been really busy and there's still a lot of stuff coming out well we'll stick it out and uh stay live a, a little bit later maybe even till like five o'clock or so and then, then we'll re- regroup and figure it all out and pick up the pieces on friday but yeah live nba front mm-hmm. office show uh thursday 1 p.m eastern and we'll be taking questions and getting into all the stuff that did and maybe didn't happen and if absolutely nothing's going on we'll do a lot more than what didn't happen then i, I don't know we'll rank our favorite marvel movies or something we'll we'll, we'll turn it into a fun day mm-hmm. anyway all right, Keith. Yeah, and we'll have our Friday. We'll do a wrap up there, and then you'll have your your pieces that you'll be writing up as uh, reactionary and financial implications and all that that you've been doing already. So looking forward to that. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go NBA. Put me to work. I'm ready to write. Let, let, let's make this happen. Let's let, let's go. Let, let's let's get a little bit more action going here. Yeah, let's do it. All right, Keith. Have a good one. We'll see you Friday. Uh, for Keith Smith, I am Scott Allen. Thanks for listening to the NBA Next podcast.